With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, thank you for tuning in to another edition of MTAS Radio, where our purpose is to encourage members of the black community to think about our role and responsibility to ourselves, families, and the community. We believe that choices that we make are a direct result of information or lack thereof. That's why we want to continue to empower you with information and conversation that will make you think and ultimately lead to Actions where actions are so desperately needed. I want to invite you to join us online. That's www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. Also, like us on Facebook. That's Mighty Dinosaur. You can like our page on Facebook. We have very thought-provoking conversations each and every week, so be sure to tune in um, each and every last week at 5.30, and check us out on Facebook. Last week, we had a very interesting conversation dealing with the $40 billion uh, potential cut that's being proposed by um, the House representative, and as our guest pointed out, um, not funding the program with any additional funds. Uh, I believe that's what our guest kind of alluded to. So definitely if you did not um, check out that conversation, I strongly suggest that you do so. You can um, log on to Facebook, Google Mightier Than a Sword to find out more about that discussion. And uh, we also had some dialogue online. And I want to ask you guys out there, what are, what are your thoughts about the cut that was being proposed or the potentially not funding the program? Um, for additional um, dollars is being re- uh, reported that at least 4 million people can potentially be uh, become affected if this proposal was to um, actually um, take root, so to speak, or become um, law. So, again, uh, why don't you chime in uh, by visiting us online. Again, Google Mighty Adena Sword, or, again, um, you can log on to our website, wwwm t as.org. You can also join us by listening to these um, conversations by dialing in at 718-508-9533. Again, that's 718-508-9533. Today we're going to have a very interesting discussion. We're going to deal with our quarterly book discussion, uh, which takes place each and every month um, around this time. So I I 
thank you for tuning in to today's discussion as we deal with seven habits of highly effective people, powerful lessons, and personal change. Stephen R. Covey. We'll get off into this conversation briefly. I see my guests joining us online right now. We're going to bring them on shortly, but before we get off into today's conversation, I want to get right into it, so I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, but I definitely want to remind you that today, um, actually this month, again, um, if you've been following me uh, for the duration of this month, you've noticed that each week I've reminded us um, that this month is Life Insurance Awareness Month. Uh, We have two days left in, in this month, so again, I strongly suggest that you review your insurance policies, talk to your families about their insurance products and things of that nature, and if you do not have an insurance professional who you're comfortable with working with, um, certainly feel free to call my office direct. That's 773-881-9555. That's how you can reach me directly here at my office. That's 773-881-9555 to discuss all of your insurance concerns. Um, and we know that life insurance is a very important product, and uh, right now, right here in America, there's 30 million Americans that are living without life protection and the comfort that life insurance provides. And uh, over 18 million of those households have children in them under the age of 18. So we're talking about the very hopes and dreams and the potential of the next generation. So certainly call my office if you are in need of life insurance and you understand the importance of life insurance protection. Again, you can reach me at 773-881-9555. Life happens, and the only way we can be prepared for when life happens is to get informed and take actions based upon the information that we receive. I want to bring my guests online right now. Again, I see that um, they have joined me. Um, I, I believe today we have joined in the conversation. Um, Cecil Corbin, also we have joined in the conversation. Shalonda Sloan, I believe those are the folks who will be joining us today for today's conversation. A few more guests um, might be joining us a little later. I'm not quite sure, but certainly I want to bring them online right now. Um, Brother Cecil, are you online? Yes, I am, Brother John. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can hear you, and I believe I thank you for joining the call, Brother Cecil. You're a first-time contributor, and I'm pretty sure uh, we're we're in for a treat. So, uh, again, thanks for joining the discussion today. Thank you, sir. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. I believe we have on the line, she's not a stranger. In fact, she has a fan club around here. I have a lot of folks like him from uh, Michelanda Sloan. I believe she's on the line joining us today as well. So if you're there, I'm going to put a call out to you just to see if you are there as well. Are you there, Shalanda? Yes, sir, I am. How you doing, John? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful, as always. appreciate you for joining the discussion and for um uh, your contribution, as always. Um, again, certainly um, appreciate you, and um, you know, you know how we do this each and every month around the same time. Uh, Brother Cecil, you didn't join us um, the last month, but last month we had a great um, book discussion uh, dealing with outwitting the devil, Napoleon Hill. So uh, certainly, you know how to go back and get some of that information. But I want to get right off into today's conversation um, and discussion, rather dealing with seven habits of highly effective people, personal lessons, and personal change. Um, And one of the things, and again, um, this particular discussion, we're only going to get up into habit number two. So we should have read from pages page number one all the way up until page number 95, Um, and again, that deals with the very last habit of beginning with an end in mind, Um, and habit number one being being proactive principles of personal vision. So let's get off into today's conversation. Um, He starts this particular chapter um, out by... I'm trying to get to my... uh, Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, he starts this particular chapter out by beginning with a quote, Stephen Covey here, and he says here, uh, he begins rather by saying, there is no real excellence in all this world which can be separated from right living. David Starr Jordan, I'll try that one more time. He says, there is no real excellence in all this world which can be separated from right living. And um, that's kind of how he 
starts this particular chapter of this book, and I want to get off um, into the conversation. Solana, I want to start with you by asking you, uh, when you think about the point of this book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and specifically the first chapter entitled Inside Out. Covey makes the distinction between the personality ethic and character ethic. Do you see the difference between our personalities and our character? What's your thoughts about that? Because he kind of said early on in the book that, for the last 50 years, most success literature has strictly focused on the personality. And early on in the development of the country, it was about character. What's your What's your thoughts and opinion relative to what Covey is alluding to here? Well, first, thank you, John, for allowing me uh, to be uh, to take part in this forum. Um, truly appreciate it. Um, and uh, the brother who's on uh, the line with this, um, thanks for actually joining. Um, first of all, uh, this is actually a very good read because um, one thing that Covey is actually talking about is change starts from within. And I think, John, me, you have had even past conversations about how a lot of problems are treated on the surface and not the actual root. And so what Covey does, he just blatantly just uh, attacks head on that we have to understand that there's a difference between personality traits or ethics as well as character traits or ethics because so much literature in the past has always been to motivate you. You know, so a lot of things that you read, yeah, you, you get me motivated, you know, but the real issue is that a lot of problems come from within. So that entire chapter is pretty much a wake-up call that before we even proceed in me getting you motivated, let me have you take a reality check so that you can see how you are from the inside, you know. And so you really have to understand the difference between personality and character uh, ethics because there is a difference. Um, I t in, in my opinion, I look at the personality uh, ethics as being more of the skills, um, your technique, um, you know, maintaining a positive attitude, and then your character ethics would be like fairness, integrity, um, justice, patience, um, and things like that. You have to be able to operate in both in order to be successful. You, um, you know, I read somewhere um, earlier today that you can fake personality but not character. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so these skills are and these traits are so key because they determine how you work effectively. They determine how you handle your relationships, how you raise your children. You know, uh, it, it's very important to understand the difference between the two, that there is a difference between your personality. You know, uh, we can develop certain skills, you know, the techniques. You know, these are the things that people can see outwardly. Character, though, deals more with your integrity, how, you know, how you are, what defines you. You know, you, you know, uh, in sales, I've been in sales for a very long time, and they used to say, you, you know, fake it until you make it. You know, right. well, people may be able to see that, you know, you may appear one way to someone else, but when you meet a person that actually can see through you, then they can see your character. You know, they can see if you're a person of integrity, you know, if you if you are who you say you are. You know, so that's why when you when you really start to look at this very first chapter, you know, Covey is like, okay, uh, I need you to understand that we need to zoom in on how we get the, the inside. We're going to work our way not outside in. We're going to work our way inside out. Mm, right. Now, I follow. I follow. I think uh, you make some interesting points. And uh, um, Covey here, make. Uh, I mean, he really hit the nail on the head here. Uh, Brother Cecil, I want to bring you in here. And, uh, again, I want to thank you for joining the uh, discussion today, dealing with seven habits of highly effective people. And, uh, you know, we've uh, we kind of crossed this road before. And it's always a pleasure when I have the opportunity to speak with you. You're always a, a very motivated um, um, brother, and I enjoy hearing from you. So I want to bring you in here on the discussion relative to um, the difference between personality versus character. Uh, character. Uh, Stephen Covey kind of alludes to the difference, and he makes the distinction. What's your take on that? Do you see a fundamental difference between character and the personality ethic? 
Well, hey, thanks a lot, uh, Brother John, and, uh, you know, the young lady that's on the call, uh, what is it? It's my honor and pleasure to be uh, be here with you guys on uh, on this evening. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, personality uh, traits and uh, the character traits, yes. You know, uh, Stephen Covey, he, he, he uncovers, you know, uh, about, you know, hey, uh, working uh, on yourself from within, you know, um, so that you can develop, you know, the skills, you know, that's needed, you know, to, you know, a become this, you know, this different person, you know, uh, because unless we're, you know, uh, growing and developing, you know, we're dying, you know, and so, uh, you know, with our, our, our character, you know, as a young lady said about, you know, integrity, you know, I mean, that's key. That's the that's the number one key right there is to have uh integrity, you know, in everything we, we do in, in our family, in our workplace, you know, and or anywhere, you know, we're at in our in our churches and that sort of thing, you know, and and, and as long as we're working on ourselves and developing and 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 getting stronger uh, within, you know. Hey, uh, you know, we can have, uh, you know, a our personality and our character, you know, a uh, uh, getting better. Absolutely, I totally agree with you there, brother Cecil. Uh, one of the things I find interesting, and uh, a lot of us we kind of uh, push to the side, if you will, is uh, he talking about he's talking about being effective and effective people. And uh, when we think about effectiveness in um, the workplace or effectiveness in home, in our homes, well, probably more so uh, within our homes, but. Um, the idea of character many times, as you said, Solanda, and also you, Brother Cecil, um, the whole idea, notion of character really doesn't come to mind. So I think that's a very important point that he makes early on um, in this particular book. Um, Brother Cecil, I want you to stay there. Uh, but one of the things I kind of ran across in reading this book, Covey talks about in this same chapter about his son, who was both academically challenged and also he was a little athletically awkward, if you will. He just didn't quite fit in. Um, he mentioned that um, him and his wife had a real concern, but more so than being concerned about their son at this particular time, they were more so concerned about their own family image and um, how people viewed them as a couple and viewed them as parents, and not necessarily uh, what their son was experiencing in terms of um, the difficulties that he was having in school as well as um Socially, and I want to want you to stay there, Brother Cecil, because I'm hearing what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. How important are our motives, and do you see any harm in using social comparison or comparing ourselves to others to remain motivated? What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's important, uh, Brother John. Uh, you know, however, you know we shouldn't be you know comparing ourselves to others. You know, because we all have different experiences, you know, in in life and in in our family structure and whatnot. So, you know, we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in trying to compare ourselves to, you know, hey, our neighbors, you know, hey, you know, our our friends and, you know, and and trying to be like them. You know, we can learn, you know, from them. But, you know, hey, we have to be careful in trying to compare ourselves, you know. And I think that's where we kind of, you know, hey, uh, make some of our mistakes is, hey, we, we're trying to be like somebody, you know. Like, you know, you have some people trying to be like Mike and, all, you know, uh, when they had, you know, Michael Jordan played. Uh, sure. But, you know, uh, we have to, you know, hey, not, you know, compare ourselves because we all have, again, different experiences you know, hey, my experience and my journey is different from yours. You know, hey, I, you know, do things different from you, you know. And so, hey, we're, we're different, you know, in that aspect. So, you know, hey, we have to be careful about, you know, hey, how we compare ourselves to others. I follow, I follow. So, and I want to get you back in uh, um, on discussion here. How important do you think our motives are, or do you see any harm in using social comparison and comparing ourselves to others to remain motivated. What's your take on that? 
I don't know if Solana is still there or if we dropped her there. Uh, but certainly want to, uh, Solana, are you still with us? Okay, sorry about that. Um, pretty much, you know, it's something that we do all the time. We, it, it's just, it's almost a habit. <laughs> you know, uh, even with our, our children, sometimes, you know, we compare more so one over the other or, you know, why aren't you more like your brother or why aren't you more like your sister, you know. So it's things that we, we do, whether it's awarely or unawarely. Sometimes it can serve as a motivator because if a certain person is excelling, you know, and, and, and we see that they are doing well, um, is there any harm in making that comparison or using that as motivation to say, you know what, you can actually either not be that person but you can be just as successful as a person, you know. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we typically want to be more like the Joneses, but unfortunately uh, it's important to understand our purpose when we are making comparisons. That on a materialistic uh, scene, you know, people want the nice cars, you know, your neighbor may have a nice ride or living in a nice house, you know, and pretty much, you know, your uh, ego or, you know, your other self may look at that and say, oh, wow, you know, those are certain things that I want, you know. So you have a desire, you know, for other things. Um, and there's, to me, nothing wrong with that. But it's how you use it. I mean, if you're going to be very negative about it, um, you know, like in a relationship, maybe comparing, uh, 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 get into an argument with your, you know, spouse or someone and compare them to an ex or something, it's just, to me, all depends on how you go about using those comparisons. So they can be both a positive and a negative, but in understanding uh, what Stephen Covey was uh, actually addressing with the situation with his son was that, you know, they kept looking at the surface, you know, and, and comparing him, you know, he's not like other kids, he's not this, he's not that, and those things discouraged their son. So they always wonder why that he was a little different. You know, because in our eyes, being different is scary. Being different, you know, means that you're not a part of, you know, mainstream or how people view you. But once he actually had a chance to learn to listen to his son, you know, then all the comparisons went out the window because now he's actually addressing the root of the problem. You know, and so sometimes comparisons can serve as a motivator, but as long as we're not using them to, you know, uh, in, in just a negative format, uh, you know, trying to tear somebody down just to motivate them to do well. I just don't agree in using comparisons, uh, social comparisons in that uh, format. Right, right, right. I uh, totally hear exactly what you're saying because uh, certainly you can use it as a gauge just to see where you are versus other folks. But um, when you use that as being your primary motivator for determining who you are, it certainly could spell trouble. <laughs> so I certainly hear exactly what you're saying. Um, so I want you to stay there because uh, in this particular book, one of the things that uh, Stephen Covey deals with is this whole notion of paradigms and um, the importance of paradigms and understanding one's paradigm. And also he talks about perception and how those two, um, to some degree, are um, interconnected and interrelated. Uh, what's your understanding of the word paradigm? How do you understand that particular word and um, how we tend to use it in our verbiage? Well, pretty much, um, you know, Covey gives a great example by, you know, breaking down that, um, a paradigm is pretty much a pattern, um, something that you do every day, you know. And so what tends to happen, however, is that we we tend to not embrace change sometimes as easily as we, we should. Sometimes, you know, uh, if we get out of our norm, you know, then it seems like the whole world is, you know, is falling, you know, our world is falling apart. And pretty much what Covey really emphasizes is is that, you know, uh, you, you have to sometimes go with the shift. You know, there's nothing wrong with change. Um, however, the way how people perceive us is pretty much by our paradigm. You know, the things that we do, um, you know, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, how you talk to people, how you express yourself, you know. And so people may model you or judge you based on certain patterns or uh, maybe habits, you, you may say. Um, but where it gets a little touchy is when you 
um, when your paradigm shifts or changes, you know, then that's when people typically, you know, get a little uneasy with because sometimes, you know, people are complacent and they not and they may not be ready to move or change their pattern or direction in maybe an area that they may need to move in. If you if you understand what I'm saying, um, I do. Sometimes, you know, people just, you know, like in relationships, and I think even Covey talks about that, you know, and how, you know, people even in their relationships, you know, they can just have a habit of just a routine, you know, and then let's just say one person tends to, you know, start doing things and being more ambitious, and you have the other person who, you know, may start to perceive the other person like they're leaving me. You know, wait a minute, what's going on? And then, you know, because that other person, you know, maybe they, they've been driven or they, they're excited about something. And so the other person may perceive that as being a negative. But really, it's for the greater good of them both. <laughs> you know, but sometimes, you know, people perceive things differently. And also everyone, you know, just doesn't move in the, in the right direction at times. So in terms of paradigm, you know, um, it's, it's mainly, you know, patterns. I see, I see. Well, see, so what's your take on the word, and uh, what understanding do you have of paradigm? Yes, uh, and I, I couldn't agree more with what uh, our other guest uh, is saying. I, I, I didn't get her name Shalanda. Uh, clearly. Shalanda, yeah. Well, hey, Shalanda made, you know, a, and I'm just going to add, you know, a paradigm, yeah, a pattern. You know, we get, we get set you know, in in um in our comfort zone, so to speak, you know. Uh even like, you know, as Shalanda was speaking about, you know, a in relationships when, you know, uh one person may get excited about something, you know, and uh the other person may, you know, start saying, you know, wait a minute, you're leaving me and, and whatnot, you know, it's a shift, you know. And that, that my take on, on paradigm it, it, it's a it's a shift, it's a change, you know, hey um, and moving out of that comfort zone that, you know, hey, we find ourselves in, you know. So we, we have to embrace, you know, change, and we have to, you know, hey, move, you know, in the direction of, of change and change some of these old habits and these old paradigms that we're in that's no longer working for us and working in our lives and stuff like that and, and in our families, you know. And, and so... You know, hey, change is good, you know, although, you know, hey, a lot of us is, is reluctant to change and, and, and the shift, uh, you know, in the paradigms, but it's, you know, it, it's necessary. And I think that, you know, hey, if we're in, like, relationships, for example, you know, we should, you know, hey, make sure that, you know, we're talking to our spouse or a significant other, you know, about, you know, hey, uh paradigms and stuff like that, because most of us, we don't even, you know, we never even heard the word paradigm, you know, and so we don't even have no understanding or any kind of knowledge of that word, you know, unless you know, hey, you on a a, a personal development growth and stuff like that where, you know, hey, you start to hear these, these terms like, you know, hey, paradigm right. and things of that nature. So, you know, hey, making the shift, you know, a changing those old patterns and, and, and developing some new ones, you know, as we, you know, continue to grow and move forward. Great point, great point. If I may, guys, I want to, because uh, I hear what the both of you guys are saying by way of making a shift and new paradigms and things of that nature, if I just could interject here so that we can have a working definition of what we mean when we say paradigm, uh, so the folks that are listening in and folks that will listen to this particular discussion, um, here's one that will share with me. Uh, paradigm means a collection of thoughts, beliefs, habits and ideas that affects our attitudes and behaviors. I'll try that one more time. It's a collection of thoughts, beliefs, habits and ideas that affects our attitudes 
and behaviors. So I just wanted to kind of interject there so that um, folks that are listening in will know exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about a paradigm. I'm hearing both you and Shalanda talk about talking about eventually making that paradigm shift, but we can't shift if we don't understand what we're talking about shifting. I'm sorry, what was that, Shalanda? Uh, in terms of when we talk about paradigm, one thing that people need to also understand is that, um, you know, paradigm is like a, you know, a picture. You know, it's always, it can change. And yes. the thing is, is that, you know, um, are you going to see the change or are you going to just see the picture? Because the mm-hmm. picture is sometimes bigger than, you know, what it may actually appear. And Stephen Covey gave a really good example about how when he was on the subway, and, um, you know, he saw how this guy's kids were acting, you know, they were very unruly, they were crying, you know. And so, you know, he's probably sitting back wondering, like, oh, my God, this man can't handle his kids, you know. What's going on, you know? Probably the kids are being disruptive. But when he later found out that they were coming from the hospital, you know, where the mother had just died, now his perspective or his paradigm changed completely. So the way how one thing may have appeared really wasn't. And, you know, and sometimes we as a people tend to be very judgmental, you know, towards people, you know, whether it's, you know, judging people, or, uh, you know, for how they may perform or act. But sometimes you don't really know what people are going through personally. You don't know sometimes what's going on at home or emotionally. You know, so some, it's very important that, in understanding paradigms, we always have to keep an open mind because uh, however much we see, there's always more to the picture. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Brother Cecil, I want to bring you back in here. Can the difference in people, whether it be financial success or financial poverty, if you will, or emotional fulfillment or being emotionally unfulfilled, can it be the result of habits? Yeah, John, uh, you know, um, I think we can, you know, yeah, I think it it, it can, um, you know, uh, relate to habits, uh, being, um, you know, uh, financially successful or financially poor or, you know, uh, fulfilled or, you know, uh, unfulfilled. Um, you know, we, we, we get to a, a certain place, you know, and, you know, and we get stuck you know, into a routine, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can be, it can be a, 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 a good habit, positive habit, you know, not so good, you know, but, you know, that, you know, a uh, does shape, you know, our, our habits. Like, you know, Stephen Covey, he mentions also, like, you know, being in a circle of influence and circle of concern, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and so, you know, being, uh, you know, a financially, you know, a stable opposed to, you know, not being, you know, a financially, you know, stable, you know, a, you know, does, you know, a create, you know, a, these different kind of habits in our life, you know, a, you know, some people who's financially independent, you know, a, they they have different habits than those that are not, you know, a, they're more, you know, a out going, spending more, uh, they, you know, may not be happy, you know, uh, with, you know, a the financial abundance that they have. You know, some people who are poor, they 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 happy with just, you know, a having less, you know. And, you know, I mean, if, 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 that's, uh, if that wouldn't make them feel good, you know, hey, then, you know, that, you know, can be a, a, a good habit, you know, uh, for them, but I mean to be, you know, financially independent, you know, and and not, you know, a be happy, you know, I mean that's not a, a good habit uh, to have, you know. So that, you know, that's my take on that. No, I follow. I follow. Yeah, I think you make um, interesting, uh, some interesting points, Shalana. Why don't you pick back up there? Uh, what is your take? Do you think the difference in people, whether uh, they are fi- financially successful or financially poor, emotionally fulfilled or unfulfilled, could it be the result of habits? Um. Yes, it can be. You know, to pretty much the seven habits 
um, they move us through several stages. You know, we talk about one dependence, um, the paradigm under which we are born, relying upon others to take care of us. Two, independence, the paradigm under which we can make our own decision and take care of ourselves. And three, interdependence, the paradigm under which we cooperate to achieve something that cannot be achieved independently. So pretty much um, in order for us to become interdependent, we must become independent because, you know, dependent people have not developed the character for interdependence. You know, so... um, when we look at the seven habits, you know, uh, being proactive, begin with the end in mind, and putting things first, um, it's about self-mastery. Now, unfortunately, we don't control the paradigm under which we are born. So, therefore, you know, we, you know, if you are, uh, sorry to say, born in poverty, you know, um, you're going to be trying to depend on people to take care of you or you're going to take a independent approach to find ways, you know, to be successful or to, you know, move from poverty, you know, to uh, to success. You know, so um, it, it, it has a lot to do with um, how we are motivated. You know, and unfortunately you have some people that because their par- the only paradigm they see is poverty, that's all they know. You know, they see other people struggling. You know, and they feel as though that's the norm for them. You know, they go to church and they hear the same thing, you know, Sunday after Sunday, Tuesday after Tuesday, please pray for me. And they see no change because why? That's their norm. That's their paradigm. You know, but once they actually take the um, initiative or be proactive, you know, then they can actually change their paradigm. You know, so you don't necessarily have to be, you know, in poverty all your life because you are equipped with the tools to move from poverty to success. It's just a matter of, you know, having some type of motivation to actually do it. And and that's being able to see beyond, you know, the picture that you're currently in and seeing uh, beyond that or, as they say, faith. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh, Moving beyond that particular point by, I guess, creating seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> I guess that's ultimately the goal and what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about the difference between people and uh, where we tend to be in our lives, whether we are emotionally fulfilled or unfulfilled or financially successful or not financially successful. I think a lot of times we don't understand the importance of um, uh, correct habits and good habits and how habits uh, become the very core in a very lifeblood of the lives that we lead. Uh, and oftentimes uh, we don't get those lessons um, fast enough. So um, that's what we're talking about here um, as we have this particular discussion of our quarterly uh, book review of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Again, call in to listen at 718-508-9533 or visit us online, www.m-tas.org. So, Lana, I want you to stay there because I was listening to exactly what you were saying. And um, part of what he talks about in this uh, particular book, um, he talks about the importance of becoming aware of our habits. And um, I want to know from you, do you think it's that level of awareness is even possible? Because he kind of alludes to the difference between humans versus other um, species on the planet. And he kind of pretty much stress the importance of awareness and becoming aware of our habits. Uh, what's your what's your take on that, that level of awareness? Um, it's, it's really funny because, you know, we hear... Uh, I think we're breaking humans. up there. We're getting some feedback there. I'm sorry, sorry, Shalana, I didn't hear you. Why don't you try to come again? Um, when you look at how animals are, and I, and I like the way how Cubby um, gives a great example you know, animals are very aware of their surroundings. You know, um, they, they they have a heightened sense of things, you know, so they can uh, sense when, you know, they're uh, going to be attacked. Um, they can sense um, other predators, you know, and so we have to take on that same attitude um, or maybe adapt some of the characteristics 
perspective of animals and being more aware of our surroundings, you know, because a lot of times we aren't aware. You know, um, so we don't plan for the unexpected, you know, um, when things happen or our world ends up falling apart. Um, and, John, I don't know if that's my phone or – hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you now. I don't know what it is, but we'll try to work through it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, um, I do believe that um, we, we take awareness for granted. You know, um, we, we, we are not aware. I, I, I don't want to say we all are not, but we're not aware of us around. Um, we don't prepare. We don't plan. You know, and so, you know, like animals, you know, you, you have to have that instinct, and that's what awareness is. It's that instinct, you know, to uh, be able to uh, prepare, you know, or to know what's going on or to prepare for the unexpected, you know, and, and that's pretty much what Cubby wants us to realize is to tap into that instinct and, you know, um, because we are, keep in mind, we're working from the inside out. And so in, in harnessing or developing that skill of awareness, um, you know, you really can't really move forward until you develop that instinct. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Well, Cecil, I want to bring you back in here on the conversation. Um, it is mentioned that humans have four unique traits that separate us from even the most intelligent animals, self-awareness, imagination, conscious, and independent will. What are your thoughts about these human traits, and how can we use them to better ourselves? Yeah, again, yes, yes, John. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's very, you know, vital that we become aware, you know, uh, as Shalanda was saying, you know, aware of our surroundings, you know, aware of, you know, our environment, uh, aware of, uh, of the people that we are around, you know, um, you know, I heard this uh, one gentleman, uh, Jim Rohn, you know, he says that, hey, you got to ask yourself three questions. You know, he say the first question you ask is, who am, who am I around? You know, uh, what are they doing to me? And is it okay? You know, mm. so we we have to be, you know, consciously aware of, you know, hey, these things, I mean, our environment, you know, hey, uh, the people we're around, what are they doing to us? I mean, is they, you know, uh, building me up or are they tearing me down? Um, you know, we have to learn to, you know, uh, use the power of our imagination, you know, to be able to, you know, a see beyond, you know, the appearance of things, you know. Uh, as you know, the Bible mentions that, you know, hey, where there's no vision, you know, the people perish, you right. know. So it, it, it's so important, you know, to be, you know, aware. And, you know, I, I think, you know, hey, sometimes we're we, we not even, like, you know, paying attention, you know, hey, to, you know, our environment or our surroundings that we're in. Um, and when the, we end up, you know, hey, making, you know, bad choices or bad decisions, you know, um, you know, without, you know, being... Uh, aware, you know, but, I mean, you know, hey, you know, becoming aware of who you are, you know, and whose you are, uh, that's, you know, that's important. So self-awareness, man, it, it's just so uh, important. You know, a monitoring or, you know, a taking stock of yourself, you know, a, you know, becoming aware, a, am I becoming a better person? Am I growing? You know, am I getting better? You know, I mean, hey, all these, uh, you know, things that we need to evaluate, you know, hey, uh, with ourselves for a greater self-awareness. I follow. I follow. Guys, we have roughly about 15 minutes left in the discussion, and I certainly uh, will be remiss if we don't uh, pretty much get right to um, what he points out as being um, one of the habits uh, which he talks about, which is proactivity or being proactive. Shalanda, I want to know, how can the African-American community do more to practice the habit of um, proactiveness? Well, first of all, um, we talk about being proactive. Being proactive means taking initiative. It means recognizing and understanding that we are responsible for our own choices 
having the freedom to choose based on principles and not just on emotion. And so we as uh, people of color, you know, what we can do in our communities, we can start taking initiative and just not, you know, kill what other people are going to do. You know, we, we have a tendency of blaming, you know, uh, this person for what's happening or the lack of funding has come into our community. You know, this is why the crime rate is up. Or, you know, because we don't have X, Y, and Z in the schools, you know, this is why we have this problem. Well, if more people get out there and raise their voices, more people get out there, you know, and be proactive and really stand up and, and let their voice heard, you know, then you are exercising, you know, one of the most powerful gifts that you've been given, the, the exercise to use your voice. To, to, to be heard, you know, to be to make difference, you know, and, and pretty much in our community, that's the thing that we lack. We typically have too many people standing by wanting to be like the Joneses, but we don't have enough people that, you know, that are taking the steps necessary, you know, to say, I want to be more than just the Joneses. You know, I want to make sure that I'm most other young people in my community Seniors in my community, you know, I want to help see things get cleaned up. I'm not just going to sit and pray and wish for thinking because I'm not knocking that prayer doesn't work. Prayer is effective as long as you're taking the initiative to make things happen. So that's what we mean about being proactive. You know, we have enough reactive people in Congress like them. You know, we have enough reactive people in our community, people that are just sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to happen. Real people are going to do the things necessary to make things happen, and that's what, you know, Covey, uh, that's what I love about, you know, being proactive. You know, it's I'm going to do whatever it's necessary to make an impact on my community, be a person of change, and do what's necessary to encourage others to do things. I, I, I really love about being proactive. It's kind of hard to follow up uh, some of your input on um being proactive, but uh, Brother Seesaw, I don't know if you want to add to uh, what Sister Londa had to say there. Let me just add real quick, because I know we're running short on time, but absolutely, you know, hey, take an action, you know, take initiative, you know, get involved, you know, in your community, you know, I mean, as you know, you know, we have a lot of people, I mean, in our communities, and, and they, you know, they, 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 they sit behind the, the closed door, you know, instead of, you know, hey, being out, you know, a uh, in a community, uh, you know, taking action, you know, to a reduce the crime, you know, a you know, talking about, you know, a teenage pregnancy, you know, and you know that sort of thing. So you know, we we got to you know take the initiative, you know, be responsible, you know, a uh, for our, for our actions that we're taking, and you know, just you know, a get out there and make a difference you know, in our community, you know, and, and let our light shine, you know, and, and, and so that, uh, you know, in our communities, they can see a good example, you know, and, you know, that's all I want to add to that because I know we're running short. No, we're we're okay here. We have uh, we have roughly okay. about ten minutes left in the discussion here. But one of the things I want to okay. uh, to say here, um, Shalanda, he say he mentioned here that um, the word proactivity is not fairly common in management literature. It is a word you won't find in most dictionaries. It means more than merely taking initiative. It means, as you alluded, Shalanda, it means that as human beings, we are responsible for our own lives, our behavior is a function of our decisions, not our conditions. I'll try that one more time. He said our behavior is a function of our decisions, not our conditions. We can subordinate feelings to values. We have the initiative and the responsibility to make things happen, as you so beautifully alluded, Solana. So I appreciate um, you for clarifying that that and giving us that understanding. I want you to stay there too, Solana. Um, what understanding did you gain from the concept of the circle of concern and the circle of influence? And I will um and I'll preface that by saying, uh, just I, I believe it was yesterday, uh, um, a lady came to my door and she had me. She um, actually gave me this um, leaflet that says, um, 
uh, are you concerned about the world and will this world survive? And it was funny that she gave me this pamphlet because I was reading about the circle of concern versus the circle of influence. And just that question alone, I must be honest, certainly I'm concerned about the state of this world and will this world survive. But what was your understanding about Stephen Covey and him making the distinction between what we can influence versus uh, what is just an element of concern? Well, pretty much, you know, when we talk about the circle of concern, um, you know, it's our normal things that we worry about. So we worry about, you know, getting good health, we worry about our kids, things happening at work. You know, we worry about things that we hear on the news. You know, you hear about gun violence. You hear about, you know, uh, so many young people losing their lives. And, and there's nothing wrong with being concerned. However, the circle of influence uh, encompasses things that, uh, or concerns that we can do something about. These are the concerns that we have some control of, um, some control over. So, therefore, we don't want to get so wrapped up in the circle of concern because a lot of times those are things that really should not encompass, you know, take up so much time worrying about because those are things that we may not be able to control. You know, the things that we should control or that we have control over are in our circle of influence. And so that's where, you know, when uh, when we talk about being proactive or being responsible for our own lives, you know, um, our own decisions and not our conditions, you know, uh, proactive people, yeah, they focus on issues uh, within their circle of influence. So they work on things so they can uh, do something about it. You know, they just don't sit, you know, being concerned about it. You know, they try to do what's necessary, you know, to make things happen. You know, so... They um, they increase their circle, you know, of influence because they're these are things that you know they're able to control or have some control over. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Well, Cecil, um, you you have anything you like to say about the circle of concern versus the circle of influence? Actually, just want to add. Yeah, I mean, you know, that the circle of concern, uh, as he says, you know, a. You know, that's something that, you know, we have no control over, you know. Um, our circle of influence, you know, we, we, we have control over who we allow to uh, influence us and whatnot. I mean, and so there's a lot of things that, you know, out here that, you know, uh, we see that have some type of influence on us. I mean, when we, you know, we, you know, we have so many thoughts a day running through our, our, our heads and through our brain you know, a to influence us. So but we have to focus on, you know, that inner, you know, circle that instead of, you know, the circle of concern where we have no control, you know, and we we have to take responsibility, you know, for our own lives, as he said, you know, and, and be responsible, you know, be proactive and, you know, a you know, make things happen instead of sitting back watching things happen. You know, a um you know, I just I want to add also that you know you can have you know a uh, a wealth of you know positive role models that can be influencing you even if you're not in their physical presence. You can you know a read their book or you know listen to um, a, a audio you know to influence you know hey your 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 behavior you know take your mind off of the things that you hey, you have no control over. Focus on the things that you do have control over. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Shalonda, I want you to take a stab at habit number two, which says begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. What is that all about? What's your understanding of beginning with an end in mind? Well, pretty much uh, for me, uh, you know, it's living with a clear purpose in mind no matter what the task is. All already seeing what the end result is, you know, um, pretty much again in mind is to, you know, some people never take time to actually see themselves, let's say, 20 or 30 years from now, you know. So the thing is, is that, you know, we may be busy, we may be efficient, but we'll only be effective if we begin with the end in mind, you know. So uh, you also have to understand, too, that, you know, things are created twice. You know, and, and habit two, that's what that principle is based on. You know, first you create a mental, you know, picture, you know, uh, or seeing it mentally, and then physically carrying it 
And so pretty much the problem why we, we tend to fail with this principle is that we fail mentally. You know, we never get a chance to carry it out because we allow certain things, uh, certain negativity uh, or what people say, uh, you know, change our picture. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, the reason why a lot of us are not successful is because, you know, we've allowed our pictures to become painted. You know, and so now we're not motivated or driven to carry out that endeavor. You know, so uh, I, I find this a, another strong uh, principle in leadership because that's why a lot of companies fold. You know, they, they start out with, you know, something uh, positive or clear, but then somehow physically carrying the objective or the focus out is not quite defined or the lack of motivation isn't there. You know, so... Um, it's you know it's, to me you know you really have to think ahead and understand and you know what do I want to do in my life where do I see myself twenty or thirty years from now if I want to be a millionaire then what am I going to do or how do I see myself or what do I see myself doing in order to to get there and then not just seeing it but actually doing the necessary things uh, that's required to push yourself to get to becoming a millionaire if that's something that you want to accomplish. I follow, I follow. But see, so I'm going to let you have the final word um, in one or two minutes. Uh, why don't you tell us how we can begin with a hand in mind? Okay, brother, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, Stephen Curry, he mentions that, you know, that you you are the programmer, you know, and, and, and habit one, and habit two, he say write the program. You know, um, you know, we have to begin, you know, hey, each project, you know, or whatever it is that we're doing, we got to begin with the end, you know, in mind. I read somewhere along the way where it says, that, you know, write the vision and make it plain, you know. Mm. And so you, you got to know, a, you know, what your purpose is, you know, and and, and write, that, write it out, you know, a, and see it, you know, a, before, you know, it manifests itself. You know, so, you know, I mean, he talked about, you know, a begin, you know, a each project, you know, hey, with the end of mind, whether you're exercising, you know, or whatever you're doing, you know, begin, you know, with the end in mind. So, hey, you know, hey, write the vision, hey, make it plain. I follow, I follow, and you you certainly made it plain when you're talking about beginning with an end in mind. And I want to thank the both of you for joining today's conversation. As always, Shalonda, I appreciate your contribution. And Brother Cecil, uh, absolutely. And Brother Cecil, I appreciate you joining the conversation as well. Uh, very thoughtful response. I learned a lot as usual. So, uh, again, I appreciate the both of you guys for joining uh, today's discussion, dealing with seven habits of highly effective people, personal lessons, and personal change. Stephen R. Covey. Now, next month, guys, we'll be dealing with habit number three, put first things first, part three of the book, public victory. Again, he talked about uh, private victory preceding the public victory, private victory being being proactive as we discussed today, beginning with an end in mind, and again, we'll pick back up on putting first things first, then moving into the public victory, part three, and then paradigms of interdependence. So we'll cover pages 145 through 185. Um, again, guys, I want to remind you guys that this is Life Insurance Awareness Month. If you have not done so, uh, please review your life insurance uh, in all of your life insurance policies and update your beneficiaries. Talk to your families about protecting your financial future. If, in fact, you do not have an insurance professional that you are comfortable with talking with about these concerns, please feel free to call my office directly, 773-881-9555. Again, that is 773. I can be reached personally, 773-881-9555. And I want to remind you that MTAS is an organization that encourages reading and collective efforts towards intellectual 
in Richmond. We believe that there are two types of people, people who don't know and people who apathetically really just don't care. And it's our role over here at MTAS to make sure that you are aware and not just aware, informed and empowered to deal with the various intellectually transmitted diseases that has affected our communities, that has affected our homes, and has affected our country. Why don't you join the movement, www.m-tas.org. And what is that movement all about? That movement is about a movement of bearing responsibility, being responsible. We talked about being proactive today. So that movement is about being proactive, being engaged, being informed. So join us online, www.m-tas.org. And that movement is also about protecting your family with the protection that life insurance offers. Again, 773-881-9555 is how it can be reached directly. Also visit us online, www.m-tas.org. Like our page on Facebook because we are mightier than a sword. Thank you for listening and continue to be good to yourself and good to your family. We'll see you back next week. Take care. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.